Hello, you're listening to Bricks and Mortar from EG with Sarah Jackman. My guest today is Vicky Aitkenhead, Director and Head of Environmental Consultancy at Hollis. Vicky has over 20 years experience in consultancy and leads the firm's mentoring programme. Vicky, very many thanks for joining me today on what is International Women's Day. Is it important that we still have a formal day to celebrate women? Yes, I really think it is. International Women's Day is not a new thing. Um, I was actually doing a bit of research and it started way back in 1911, really, when it was celebrated in, in Austria, Denmark, Switzerland and Germany. But it wasn't really until 1977, so 46 years ago now, that it was adopted by the UN. And I think it's really important to have a day that celebrates really how far women's rights and gender equality have come. And it's also really a, a day that sort of highlights what still needs to be done. So I think it it has a bit of a dual role there and a bit of a rally cry, a bit of a call to action, really, and a reminder that, that progress doesn't just happen by accident and that we still need to be doing a lot more with regards to women's right and equality. You mentioned there the need for further progress. Let's put it in the real estate context. Tell me a little bit about your experiences of the sector, just in terms of the composition of of male to female. So in the real estate sector, some of the stats that I've read is about 20% of employees in the real estate sector are women. Obviously, the, the rest male. My experience of it, having worked in the real estate industry for for 20 odd years now, is is it's definitely male dominated. It's pretty commonplace to be the only woman in a meeting. I started my career being out on site, doing a lot of site work and working with contractors. And, you know, sort of comments like you should swap those wellies for your stilettos, you know, were really quite commonplace back then. And I remember even very early in my career, I had a manager who said to me, you're never going to be promoted because you're a woman. And I was so shocked at that. I knew it was wrong. I was so shocked at that kind of talking, but I wasn't sure how to call it out. I I felt very unsupported at that time. And so in the end, I just decided to leave that company and I moved somewhere else. And even now, I regret not calling out that kind of behavior. But it's hard. I've also had clients on several occasions sort of say to me, shouldn't you really be at home looking after your children? You know, and and when it's clients saying that kind of thing, it's even harder to call out, I think. And I've definitely always felt that pressure to constantly try and prove myself. You know, I've worked part time now for about 13 years since I had my first child. And I've always felt the need to go over and above to prove that I'm not doing less of a job or can't do the job because I'm I'm working part time and and you know I've got different responsibilities. So yeah, that's some of my experiences really. And to what extent do you think that environment has shifted in the years that you've been working in the industry? I mean you mentioned you're obviously able to work part time now. So you're obviously in an environment now where where that is very much supported. Yes, absolutely. And and that is something that has changed, particularly, I'd say, in the last 10 years. When I came back to work after my first spell of maternity leave, I, I asked if I could go part time. It wasn't particularly commonplace then, but that has now shifted and there are far more 
people working part time across the business, not just women. The flexible working also is a big thing that's really helped. It's taken me a long time really to get to where I am and comfortable in the way that I'm working. I can remember going to my boss when I came back after my second stint of maternity leave. My kids were both very young at the time and I just got to that point where I thought I can't do this anymore. It's just too stressful. It's too much of a juggling act. And thank goodness I had a a really understanding boss and you know I was ready to hand in my notice and and I said to him I just can't do this anymore and he was great he said what can we do to try and make this work so we decided that one day a week I would work at home and it was just that small change that was enough to be able to get me through those very difficult early years and I mean remember this is pre-covid where working at home wasn't really done especially 10 years ago it wasn't particularly done and I'm really grateful for that opportunity And it makes such a difference. These small tweaks can make such a difference to making a job work and making a job not work. And now, obviously, since COVID, you know, one of the great things actually that has come out of COVID is the fact that working at home is now far more commonplace. And, you know, I think people realise that you can do your job at home. You're not just sitting watching telly or doing something else. You know, we are all working just as hard at home, if not harder. And so that's been a great thing that's kind of opened up, I think, in certainly in the past five years in particular. You mentioned the early experiences of of perhaps going into meetings and, and being the only female. Has that changed noticeably in the time that you've been working? I think it has. Certainly back 10, 15, 20 years ago, even being the only woman in the room, you were always expected to go and get the cups of teas and coffee. You know, it's that unconscious bias that is really ingrained in everybody. And I think businesses have certainly done a lot of work to try and raise awareness of unconscious bias. And that has improved. But still, the imposter syndrome that I think a lot of women suffer from is still really there. And it's difficult to go into a meeting or difficult to go into a room when you're networking and you're you're the only woman or one of the you know very few women in that room it's difficult to find that confidence and find your voice to be able to speak in that situation so raising awareness giving women some some training on that i mean that's that's definitely starting now and it's and it's helping so i think we're going in the right direction but there's still a long way to go You've obviously progressed hugely in terms of your own career. Have you ever felt that being female has held you back in terms of career development? I mean, you've obviously had a very supportive um, management structure in place and you've been able to juggle parenthood and the demands of a career. But have you ever felt held back? I think my career development has definitely been held back because I'm a woman. I was stuck really at senior consultant level for about 12 or 13 years. And I really felt that I had reached a glass ceiling at one point. And I'd been at a company for for 12 years at that point. And it was a big change. It took a lot of confidence to try and move and, and make a change. But doing that, enabled me then to progress on and since then you know I've I've moved on up in my career which has been great but yeah I I do think that was partly due to to being off on maternity leave for a spell and then probably working part-time as well I think I was definitely overlooked for some, for some promotions at that point in my career. You mentioned 
the compromises or the adjustments that you've had to make in order to balance a successful career with being a working parent. Do you think there's enough support in place to enable working mums in particular to get back into the workplace? I think there's some good return to work schemes now, which certainly help. I think everybody who's who's been off work for a spell, be that off long term sick or maternity leave or whatever, you know, there's that real fear of forgetting how to do your job. So to try and make that process of returning to work as stress free as possible, I think is really important. You know, the cost of childcare are also huge especially with our current cost of living crisis, nursery care costs, after school wraparound care costs, holiday club costs. You know, these are these are really difficult for people to manage. So I think if some some more things can be done around that to try and help, um, that would be good. And and I suppose one of the things that I always try to remember is it's it's not forever. You know, you're not paying these costs forever. You know, nursery years go by so fast. And then you're into primary school with your children with different challenges and then high school, different challenges again. I think also the flexible working for parents also can really help, you know, that later start in the morning, you know, being in the office for half past nine or 10 o'clock instead of, you know, being at your desk for nine o'clock. That can really help take the stress out of the mornings. Mornings are terribly stressful times when you've got families. You know, I can remember so clearly you know, rushing, 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 getting everybody up, out to school, out to nursery, doing the nursery drop off. The children inevitably just cried their eyes out. And I can remember just sitting in my car, in the car park of nursery, crying myself, thinking, what am I doing? And getting to work, feeling like you'd done a day's work before you'd even started. You know, and that's that's not a healthy way to be. And so that's something that even even now, I actively have to manage to try and make sure that you keep that work-life balance and you keep your sanity. It's not something that particularly goes away. And, and even now, as my children are getting older, you know, there's still such different challenges now with them, be it after school clubs and the bank of mum and dad and all that kind of thing. You know, it, it just changes. And I think one of the other things is if employees can try and be flexible to their staff as people's lives change, you need to be flexible and you need to be able to adapt to that. So there, there are some of the things, I suppose. And having the stigma away from homeworking also, I think, is really helping. You know, as I said before, there was definitely a stigma about, you know, if I was working from home one day, you know, maybe I wasn't working hard, I wasn't doing my job, I wasn't there to be seen. Whereas that stigma, I definitely think, has gone now, which is a really great thing. I'm interested in your comments around the need in the past to to go over and above as as a woman. Tell me a little bit about that, particularly in the context of the recent resignation of Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand. I know she cited just not having enough to give to the job anymore. Do you think that there is a conversation to be had around burnout and the level of support that we give to female leaders, not just in politics, but across all sectors of industry? Definitely. I was I was sad to hear um, of Jakinda Arden's resignation and, and, you know, obviously more recently Nicola Sturgeon's as well. You know, we really need these strong women role models. 
And I think there's a lot to be said for the saying, you know, if you can't see it, you can't be it. I, and I do think that's true. Um, and the stats speak for themselves. I mean, working women are so much more likely to suffer burnout than men and end up, you know, usually voluntarily leaving their jobs. And women in leadership roles are a particular risk of burnout. So, you know, I think many feel overworked and underrecognized. And the pandemic hasn't helped with that either. I think there's also a lot of pressure on women to try and feel like they can do it all. And I think women are also perfectionists. Both of them talked about not having enough left in the tank. And, you know, I think we all want to do our job, our best in our jobs, be the best, you know, partners we can, the best mums, the best wives, daughters, you know, and that's something that you constantly need to work on and make sure that you don't get to that point where there's not enough left in the tank. But I also think, you know, the fact that both of them have, have stepped back from that responsibility, it's not the end of the world. And they've both felt that it's a necessity for them. And it's really shown great courage and great leadership, really, to do that and to leave on their own terms. And I, I find that very empowering. You know, it's it takes great courage to make big changes like that. You know, it takes a lot of courage to make any changes, be that asking your boss for flexible working or asking your partner to do a bit more around the house to help you. Or, you know, actually just thinking to yourself, I need to pause and get my headspace back. You know, all that makes you a better a better person, a better employee, a better partner, a better, a better parent. So, yeah, I think managers also have a big role to play in that, to really keep an eye out on their team and, and making sure that that people feel that they're comfortable in that space to be able to ask that and to be able to make those changes when things aren't working. Yeah. You developed the female mentoring scheme at Hollis. I think female initially in its inception, but I think broadened out now. Tell us then a little bit about the sort of support that women need in, in their careers and, and how mentoring and, I guess, peer-to-peer -peer learning and role models. Tell us a little bit, I guess, about what sort of effect they can have in the workplace. I think a lot of it is just having that safe space to be able to talk and to be able to discuss discuss some of the issues that people are worrying about people are thinking about and to share experiences really it's you know mentoring's all about helping people sort of develop effectively and and building confidence and sharing experiences and we've all got different things to bring to the table on that i learn an awful lot from my my mentees and vice versa, you know, I hope to be able to share some of my experiences over these years and 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 just give women the confidence to sort of be able to find their voices a lot of the time and to, to ask for some of those changes, to make some of those changes. And also we end up talking a lot in our mentoring sessions about calling out behaviour that's not appropriate and calling out comments, be that dealing with clients, be that dealing with colleagues or just in any kind of situation. So mentoring is really key, I think. And it's a great way to, to be able to discuss, as I said, in this safe space. And what would you say to the person who said to you all those years ago that you weren't going to progress in the industry because you were female? 
<laughs> oh, that's a good question. I'd I'd like to be able to show them where I've managed to get to today and all the different things that I've kind of juggled and all the different hurdles really I've got to to this point and just really be a good role model for others and say, you know, this is possible. You just need to have a bit of flexibility and you just need to have the courage to make some changes and and make it work for yourself. And what advice would you have for any female listeners who are listening to this and and looking at their own career and perhaps looking at time, work-life balance and so on? What would you say to them and whether there's a place for them in this industry? I would definitely say try and stick with it. The rewards will come. There are some very tricky points in your life where you, you kind of often think, this this is just too difficult. But I'm so glad when I reached that point, I was able to make some changes and I was able to make it work for me. I'd also say it's it's very intimidating. Sometimes you're in a very intimidating society. When you walk into a room, it's all men. Try and put those imposter syndrome thoughts to the back of your mind. You have earned your place at the table and try and remember that you're there for a reason and you're worthy to be there. I'd also say try and find some allies, people who will support you, who will back you up, who will call out inappropriate behaviour. You know, that needs to be men and women. We need to work at this together. It's not not just women allies. There are many, many great organisations out there as well where you can get involved with and get some support outside of your workplace if that's something that's needed. The likes of Women in Property, um, they're a great organisation who really champion women in, in the workplace and in the real estate industry. And then try and join a mentoring programme, you know, and chat, chat to others. We've all got We've all got experiences. We've all tried different things. And what works for one doesn't work for the other. So it's just having that open mind, getting that advice and seeing what works for you. Vicky, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been really lovely catching up with you and really interesting to hear some of your experiences and insights. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Sarah. It's been great. Thank you. That was Bricks and Mortar from EG with Sarah Jackman. For more on developing a career in real estate, see the archive of the Bricks and Mortar series at podbean.com and the EGI archive at egi.co.uk.